Hello, intrepid leaders, and welcome to season two of the Scholar Spotlight Sessions. But before we get started on this very first episode of series two, yes, I said it again, it's series two, uh, you may notice that we've undergone a little rebranding. So we've changed our cover art to align with a fantastic new colour palette from the Florence Nightingale Foundation. We've also changed the name. Now bear with us. The reason we've done this is because the foundation is growing so rapidly and us offering more and more development opportunities and support for nurses and midwives outside of their uh, leadership scholarships. Um, and in, so in the interest of inclusivity, we want we've given the podcast a new name um, and we will be extending our podcast interview guests beyond scholars to other nurses and midwives who have been involved with the foundation in one way or another. So we do hope you love the new name um, and you stick with us despite these changes. And so for our first episode of series two, I could not think of a more fitting guest than the lovely Greta Westwood. Those of you who know Greta will know how passionate she is about supporting and developing nursing and midwives, nurses even, and nursing, and midwives in the endeavour to improve care and save lives. In this episode, Greta shares with me some key moments in her nursing leadership journey and reminds us that if you really want something, it's yours to achieve. For me, her story is rooted in vulnerability and tenacity um, and just kind of turning those uh, hard times, those adverse times upside down uh, so that they work for you in, instead of against you. We also chat about the newly revised strategy for the foundation uh, with their ambitious five-year plan to reach one million nurses. She also gives us a few little hints and tips about how to develop um, and write a really good application for your leadership programme. So without further ado, Let's jump in. Hello, Greta. I finally got you on the podcast. This is such a delight for me today, and I'm sure it's going to be such a delight for our listeners. So um, how are we feeling today? Uh, it's the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> we had the most amazing scholar conference yesterday to we celebrate did. the we did. Su successes of the 2022 scholars. To know 2021 scholars, what am I talking about? I know, I know, you're yeah. getting ahead of yourself. I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it was fantastic. So it was. it's at the end of the week, and I, I'm. I'm on a high. It was fabulous. Yes, yes. Me too. Me too. So it's probably the best time for us to be recording oh. this. And the other thing is, I guess we should, um, is that this will be, this will go out, this will be the first episode of season two of, well, what's currently known as the Scholar Spotlight Sessions. But I know we're going to be changing it up a little bit. So that's exciting. So who better to have as the first episode of series two than the magnificent Greta Westwood. So, um, listen, I think to start off with, I think what our listeners would really love to hear is probably about your leadership journey. Um, so why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. Okay. So it's quite long, as you know. I'm quite old in this case. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, and actually in March next year is my 40th year as a registered nurse. Wow, so that's amazing. So a big celebration. But... Um, it started before that. Yes. So I have. I did actually put my nursing uniform on on the fourth of January, nineteen seventy eight, <gasps> when wow. I um, started as a student orthopaedic nurse 
at a very tiny community hospital um, uh, that was elective surgery. Yeah. And the day I put that uniform on, I just thought, that's it. And I'd never taken it off. But yeah. before that, I have to say it was a bit of a rocky road. Oh, really? Yeah. Always wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. My mother was a volunteer in the British Red Cross. Um, she had the most amazing uniform, and I just used to cover it in the in the in the wardrobe and stroke it when I could. And she <laughs> she um, at that time she had four children, and we were all little, but she managed to find time to do that because that's really what her passion was. And I I think it came from there. I also um, had a little comic that uh, every Saturday it used to pop on the letterbox on the doormat, and it was one of the my favourite articles was a, was an article called it was a comic called Twinkle and the article was called or the comic series was called Nurse Nancy. Oh and right, I've used a Twinkle. I don't remember. Well, right, that's nurse really interesting. Nurse yeah. Nancy, just a beautiful little animated nurse who had a dolls hospital, and her granddad made her the dolls hospital beds. And my dad was a fantastic woodworker, and he did the same for me. Oh wow! So that was that was. That, I think it came from there. I think it came from my mum's uniform. Yeah. Um, however, one has to uh, be a good student at school to get <laughs> to nursing, and I wasn't. And I kind of got in with the wrong girls at school. I was um, didn't think it was cool to study. I had a, a, an older brother, and he was hugely clever. He was going off to medical school, and I just kind of thought, oh, I don't need to do that. However... I will never forget the day that my results came out and I was so ashamed that I'd let my pa- I'd let me down, I'd let my parents oh, down. Yeah. And what I thought was a cool thing to do clearly wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I barely got in year levels. Um, and I started sixth form college uh, with my A-levels and lasted six weeks and came home one day and said to mum, actually, I'm not doing that anymore. I left school and I'm going to work in Tesco Oh, wow. And I loved it. I worked there on Saturdays. I loved it. I loved talking all day long to people. They came to my till. It was wonderful. However, my mother tried to um, remind me that I wanted to be a nurse. And I don't know how she found out, but she found this little ad in a newspaper um, to go to, to, to start my orthopedic nurse training. Oh, wow. And so my my success, let me say, I will put down to the day that she filled, probably even filled in the application form for me because I can't actually remember doing it. So I, I think that moment of being shamed and yes. shaming my parents has never gone away. And yeah. I never, ever wanted to feel like that again. So I worked really hard uh, as an orthopedic nurse and then I started my general nurse training. Um. Loved it, um, mm. worked hard, um, wasn't went on all the rotations, really great student. Um, passed my exams and then I was selected to, to go on, a, I guess you'd call it a preceptorship programme these oh, days. Oh, yeah, yeah. The early days of those first, first thoughts about what that might be. And I, I had this great rotational post as a newly registered nurse through lots of wards and I met a, a nurse worked on neurosurgery with her and she put planted the idea that we should go and work overseas so um, I wanted to go to the Middle East she wanted to go to Switzerland because she wanted to ski and I went well a slight problem with that 
we can't speak French, so that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we learnt it for a bit, um, remembering I didn't have any O-levels. Yeah. Um, And uh, anyway, we got through the we got through the med the, the the course that we had to do before we left. And we had a fantastic year yeah. in Switzerland, skiing. Speaking French? Speaking French, <laughs> yeah, badly, yeah. probably. But I do have some sympathies with those international nurses that come here. Of where course. English isn't their first language, because it's so... I spent month, the first few months in the loo crying, I think. So once I got over there, came back, and I trained as a midwife. Love that. Um, my very best friend is Jill Walton, who's the chief Oh, yes, yes. RCM. yeah. So we we trained together as midwives. Um, we stayed friends. We delivered each other's babies. Um, we're still friends. She's downstairs in the same building as me now. So yeah. that's that's quite interesting. Um, but I, I guess there's some there's some significant points in my career and my personal my personal life that sort of didn't go so well. And remembering that shame theme and being mm. shamed. Mm many years ago never left me and um I did I, so I came back to do my midwifery training but also to get married and I had two beautiful girls lovely lovely not so lovely husband let's yeah say. yeah and so after a while that was a disaster and I found myself single mother two little girls um I also at the same time realized that my nursing career couldn't stop I could have easily stayed at home with them yeah but I just want I just wanted I knew that at one point they would they would grow up and they would leave and and if I didn't carry on my my nursing career I would kind of be left behind yeah no that's yeah absolutely so what did I do next um I did my master's but I actually wanted to do a PhD but she said actually you haven't got even got any A-levels for you so not even a first degree so it's not really possible (laughs) so I I um, started my PhD single mother wow Um, I worked in clinical genetics at that time so it was a new service in the 80s um, late 80s fabulous stayed for 20 years marvellous I was in the middle of my PhD and I decided I ought to leave. There was this National Institute of Health Research was setting up research networks and I'd already got the bug then for research. And yeah. I, I um, set up a clinical research network and then after that, um, then went, convinced the University of Southampton and a local NHS organisation that if they employed me, I could help nurses and midwives um, start developing it. I got my PhD by then. I, I could um, help the nurses and midwives set, start their own clinical academic careers. And that was brilliant. Yeah. In the middle of all of that, I met a, a director of nursing who said, you need to apply for a Florence Nightingale scholarship. And yeah. I did. And actually, I never got it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you? No. Well, that's how very awful. How did that happen? No, exactly. So I um, I was devastated. I was actually ashamed, really. Yeah. I put quite a lot of effort in. But they did say, this is what you need to do. Come back in a year's time, reapply. And so I, I guess if we talk about people's applications later on, I, I yeah. just want to remind people about that. Yeah, It's yeah. fine if you don't get there the first go. 
go yeah. again, yeah. just keep going. And they were right. My second application was so much better. Yeah. So, um, and then I guess in the middle of all of that, I met my current husband. Um, he had two little girls. We yeah. ended up having four girls between us. Great fun, busy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think, I think all of all of those years, um, up until recently, it's a really strange feeling. But recently, which was this year, um, I suddenly felt like I belonged. That's interesting. Is tell us a little bit more about that then. Yeah. So why it's, all this time? Because you you talk some talk. You, so there's a few things I'd love to pick up with you. I, I, so I've been busy. So I always write little notes because my I'm a woman of a certain age now, Greta. So uh, <laughs> so I have to write notes because I could I have like brain fog and I forget to come back to things and I don't want to miss out on some of the great points. But I belonging and the whole uh, concept and the idea of belonging resonates with me hugely because I think I lost my way and my personal and professional identity at some point so I'd love to hear a little bit more about like why recently you kind of yeah Um, well I think the catalyst was the local hospital asked me to go back the day after um, International Nurses Day this year and present to the nurses about me about the foundation yeah and while I was thinking about the title I suddenly had this, the title of the presentation, I suddenly had this overwhelming view. I've arrived. I don't have to prove myself to anybody wow. anymore. Yeah. I, I've got a husband who adores me. My children are hugely proud. I'm proud of them, obviously. Um, I'm in the best job in the whole world. I couldn't want a better job. So I've been the chief exec since September 19. Um, and I, 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 I just felt like it all had come together. And... At the end of um, 2021, I had this email that arrived mm. late one Friday evening, and it was from the cabinet office, and it said, private confidential, st- strictest confidence, you do not tell anybody. Yeah. And and it said I'd been awarded a CBE. <gasps> wow. And I, how did that happen? Yeah. I somebody in the 70s who had no O-levels, well, a few O-levels, no A-levels, no degree, worked in Tesco, worked hard as a, as a nurse. Um, how, did, how did little old me end up in Windsor Castle with Princess Anne and a, and a beautiful... Wow. So was that a wonderful day for you? Uh, it was fabulous. Because your daughter went with you, didn't she? she? Did. Yeah. yeah, she did. Yeah. It still COVID-restricted, so we could only have one person. Ah, oh, there's a shame. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was amazing. And I, I think maybe my children have seen... Uh, the effort I've put into my my life, my career. Yes. Um, uh, and it, it it does take effort. It does it yeah. does involve energy, but you have to be dedicated to something yeah. in order to strive for the the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. But I think all all the way through my career, I've only ever done stuff because I wanted to advance my career. I yes. Wanted to do stuff that made a difference to nurses, and if they, if it, if I made a difference to nurses and midwives, then that would affect how, yeah. how they managed care. And I, I think my girls have just seen this woman's relentless. She just keeps going. What, well, what, yeah, absolutely. What great role modelling. And as I said, I've been making some, some notes here, and, and it was interesting. So there was a presentation yesterday 
from one of the scholars around how you know she'd had her children some you were talking about having um children and that you could have quite easily kind of like stopped working and so the individual yesterday was sharing a presentation said she'd done exactly that she just kind of stopped working and she was now like it's time to find me again so there's something what i'm hearing in you an awful lot is this sense of identity which is probably strongly linked to belonging isn't it in a lot of ways um but and but that your key motivators um or intrinsic motivators maybe are around this it's very much about people. You don't want to let people down. You felt a great sense of shame. You you talked about feeling shame mm -hmm. when you didn't get the exam results that you got, and that was a turning point in your life. And then there was another. Oh, the um, was it the Florence not getting Florence yeah, yeah. the first time round? You talked about shame there as well. So that's obviously when you feel like you've disappointed self or others. That's for some people. They could just crawl back into their little you know and become more and more but you kind of take that and flip it by the sound of it what well, you must do to be where you are where you are now and being able to and a lot of what i've heard from you talking as well is ability to influence and how you've influenced and i think i struggled with the whole sense of nursing because i'm not a at the bedside nurse anymore through pandemic and that's why the you know, the scholarship was so important to me is because through the pandemic, I really struggled with that nurse identity. And then I realised, you know what, I can I can influence in other ways because I can support and help and make others better and be better leaders. And then that affects patient care. I don't have to be the one at the point of patient care making the difference. I can be a few steps back making a difference in that way. So, and I guess, you know, where you talked about making a difference by being in the role that you're in now i thought that was that really resonated with me and i would agree your 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 lovely girls must see one hell of a tenacious lady uh by the sounds of things well, they've, they've all gone on to do amazing stuff so I, maybe maybe you have been i guess the other thing that they learned maybe is that um i'm not scared of i'm comfortable with uncertainty i'm not scared that I don't know how to do stuff. We don't, none of us know how to do a new job. No. I have no idea how to be the chief executive of the Florence Nightingale Foundation. No. And I'm happy with that rumbling with, with vulnerability, as Brenny Brown calls it. Yes. I'm happy that it's okay to feel uncertain about stuff. And the other this weird thing in my head is that I have the ability, and I don't know where this comes from, I have the ability to go, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. If you put your mind to this, and if people are listening, let's hope they're not, but if people are listening, it, it, my philosophy is anything is achievable. Yeah. It's not out of our reach. As nurses, we have an incredible career. Yeah. And if we can see something just on the horizon that we want to go for, we can go for it. And yeah. sometimes we might not be successful. And you, you're only defeated if you give up. Yes. Do you know what I... I'm, <laughs> so I'm a huge... I don't know if you know, but I'm a huge Walt Disney fan. <laughs> this, you know, this is strange, isn't it? But he says, if you believe it, you can you build can it. it. Or if you dream it, yeah. you can do it or that's whatever. Right. So what? that's exactly what you're saying. So you're like the Walt Disney of the Florence, Nightingale, <laughs> the Florence Nightingale Foundation, delivering that message and sharing your story in such a poignant way and, and, and such an honest, vulnerable way really will resonate, I'm sure, with our listeners in terms of... Crikey, because I already am like, 
well, that was me. I didn't really have much in terms of exams and whatever. And it and it just galvanizes people listening to story. I think storytelling is hugely important in change and cultural change because it can galvan really galvanize. If you tell a story well, it can really galvanize people to a point of, well, if Greta can do it and, and she didn't have this and she didn't have this and she faced these challenges and everything well why can't I do it so you're you're kind of living what you're saying as well isn't you you're practicing what you preach which is fantastic and I think all of us at some point and maybe that's why I call it belonging have to say have to say to ourselves what is my why why is it that I do this job and I said yesterday it's not a job it's a vocation yes Um, and my why is that I I am so excited working with scholars, working for the foundation, providing a a platform for scholars to be inspired, to be their best. And if we can do that through the foundation, the ripple effect of that is incredible. Yeah. So that's why I get out of bed every single day, because I just think there's still so much we can do as a profession. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's always something, isn't there? It's... I, I can't remember the Florence quote, but it's, it's something about never being fully done, isn't it? Never, you know, we shouldn't, we should always be striving to learn, to do different, to do more, to do things differently, et cetera, et cetera. So t- sorry. Did sorry. Help you on that. Quote? Yeah, go on, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know everything. That no, she I'm said. sure you do. I'm sure you do. She said, don't, it's not the direct quote. No. She said, um, and uh, as nurses, unless we're making progress every day, week, month, year, we're going, take my word for it, we're going back. I love it. Yeah. See, so I knew you would know better. <laughs> like, so there are some quotes I do know, honestly. But yes, I feel, because I, I, we I were chatting just before the recording as well, and I asked you some questions, and I was like, oh, I feel terrible. I felt shame because I, I didn't know the answer. Yeah, and I did say to you, <laughs> I need to take that scholar badge off you. You did. You did. did. So I'm going to have to work double hard now to make sure I keep hold of that badge for sure, because you're not having it back, I can tell you now. So talking about the foundation, I think we can't really have you on uh, the podcast, um, Greta, without... There's been some incredible work going on in the foundation. um, And yesterday... Uh, you know, I was at the the celebration event, um, and you know, you talked about your five year strategy about hitting or not hit, not literally hitting, but getting a million nurses in the next fi- uh, five, five years. years, yeah. And then um, the and the and the sustainability strategy as well. But that uh, we, I, I, as important as that is, I would want to focus a little bit more on the on the strategy around how, you know, what are the plans for the, the in the in within the foundation for reaching so many nurses? You know, I know you've got lots of plans from a global perspective. So I think it would be great if you could give us a bit of an, or give our listeners um, a bit of an insight into the ambitions of the, of the foundation and, and wh- which direction you're heading. Okay. So for those that know Damien von Moores, they'll know that she's hugely ambitious. And yeah. Almost as soon as I became the chief exec, she said... We need plans to do what the foundation's doing globally. Well, I didn't know how to do it in the UK, let alone globally. That's right. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pause that for a moment. But she clearly wasn't letting that go. Yeah. And um, so that's been in the background in my head for the last couple of years. We did have a strategy that finished uh, this March. So we, we were due to write a new one. And I, uh, I thinking about her 
her wish, her legacy, which would be yeah. the Florence Nightingale Foundation across the world. Yeah. Um, when we worked through the strategy, when we, I tried to identify what the vision was, where we were going with this. Mm. It clearly was, well, let's actually aim high. Why not? Mm, yeah. And he, Yvonne always says, reach for the stars. So I was kind of following in her footsteps, going, yeah, okay. So um, it's always good to put a number to something. And knowing how successful the, found, the foundation's been in the last couple of years with membership, which is nearly up to 200,000 wow. nurses and midwives. So, so the, the members, their nurses and midwives and their organisation, that's, that's the reach at the moment. Mm. So using that as a benchmark, I thought, actually, with more resources around the next five years, is it possible to reach a million nurses wow. across the world? Yeah. And using that as the benchmark, then clearly it is. So um, that's what we want to do. We want to provide access to everything the foundation does across the world, UK and across the world, to, to a million nurses and midwives. So the strategy... Um, wonderfully is called improving care saving lives one million nurse and midwife leaders and it and it's pretty quite it's actually quite simple there's five strategic priorities so leadership development mm. um carry on doing that's that's our flagship let's yeah. keep doing that uh, we started to do some work in the last couple of years around um being asked to to do write some policy work on mm-hmm. behalf of some commissioners mm. um there's a big push, and there has been a long time, and I'm interested in this anyway because of, of my, my background, but it's supporting organisations to implement evidence-based practice. Yeah. So the fourth strategic priority is growing our Florence Nightingale Foundation Academy membership. So that's membership. Chief nurses across the UK and now across the world can join as members of the foundation, and, and all the benefits are available mm. to their nurses and midwives it seems that most people want to join because there's this um, the prize as far as they're concerned is getting to Westminster Abbey oh yeah so <laughs> every member gets two VIP tickets to Westminster Abbey service oh I see in, uh, in May every year oh that's quite the prize it is I love it yeah so anyway but there's lots of other benefits let's say I'm sure and then the fifth one which is really exciting is making sure that we pay attention to the sustainability Yes. Um, agenda and and that sustainability is divided obviously we we need to be financially stable mm-hmm. um, we need to survive we need to keep um, doing what we're doing do more of what we're doing so that we can offer more mm. to nurses and midwives mm. um, we want to pay attention to the cultural sustainability of, of the work that we do so really really paying attention to the global majority to make sure our, our nurses and midwives from those that background have access to our programs therefore they can go for the next most important job in their career they can go for the next one let's really try and see if we can make a difference in enabling um, those, those within our professions mm. to get the high value jobs that they want as, as equally as as people who are traditionally white and let's say british yeah no um and then the as part of that sustainability is is clearly what we're doing environmentally. So yesterday, really excited, a lot of the thread through the through the conference was pioneering the Greener Way, which is our strategy. Yes. Um, and we had some uh, 
presentations from Nuffield Health, who've been supporting us. They were great. Yeah, Nuffield Health were fantastic. They've been a great support over the last year. Um, and with their support, we've developed a, uh, the first leadership programme for nurses in the independent sector to look at um, their leadership skills, the leadership skills required to co-produce, develop, implement a, a more sustainable health organisation. That's hugely exciting, isn't yeah. it? What an opportunity for nurses too. Yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, that's really exciting. And I know, um, I don't know if I can say on this, but there are some interesting plans afoot with the leadership blog as well around sustainability agenda. So watch this space, listeners. There may be a little mini series coming. Um, so that yeah, it was hugely exciting. And um, the whole session around sustainability yesterday was powerful for me because um, uh, I probably need to be more aware. And uh, you know, awareness is the first point, you know, of change, isn't it? You need to be aware before you can kind of do anything. So my pledge yesterday was to be more aware, but to champion the strategy as well. So that's my pledge for the sustainability stuff. I'm sure it'll evolve as we go along. What are the things? Um, so I, I'm sure we could talk um, all day about the fantastic stuff that's going on in the in the foundation. But I think that was a great appreciate. Uh, I don't know if there was anything else. I feel like I've cut, cut across you now, but I don't know if there was anything else that you wanted to particularly say about the foundation. Um, uh, well, I. It's amazing this year, and I said this yesterday, it's, this is the first year ever in the Foundation's history that we are able to use our, our, our reserves, which is our, our money in the bank, if you like, and plough it back into nurses and midwives. So instead of um, organisations, individuals, uh, grant-giving organisations, giving us money for, to fund people's scholarships, oh, right. we're able to fund 20 every wow. year for the next three years. Yes, of course, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And that is amazing. That so, is. And there are, um, and as addition to those, there are three that we will be able to fund who are going to be global scholars. Yes. So that would be fantastic to I'm see. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Really Actually, good. one of the episodes of Series 2 of this mini-series of this podcast is an interview with one of those global scholars. Oh, so that'd be interesting, yeah. So Gillian Knight and I have sat down and had conversations, so watch out for that one. Um, it'll be coming out, uh, you know, after after this episode, hopefully. So, so Gillian's brilliant. Yes. Amazing, she's got fantastic ideas, she's got a great yeah. network, which is yeah. just what we need. We, we all need to start thinking, as UK nurses and midwives, this is the global health situation. The, yeah. The, global nursing midwifery shortage is not it, it is our business it's, it's not everybody else's it is our business and we need to think about different ways that we can support those nurses who haven't got what we've got mm. and i guess that plays into the sustainability agenda too yeah, of course they yeah manage so well on so little and we have a lot and waste a lot yeah so um so Gillian is a UK global scholar, but these are these will be this invite will be to oh I see yes overseas I see yes of course a, a scholar of the foundation. So well, we'll have to get one of them on or both of them or has, however many of them I'd be approaching them. No doubt, I'm sure to to hear more about their journey would be great. Um, to capture that on the podcast would be great. So I'm sure I'll be in touch about that. So much to oh God, so much to look forward to, and so much has been done already. It's just phenomenal what what goes on at, at the found foundation. Um, I'm always in awe of it, and 
um, always be forever grateful for the opportunity and the person it's made me today compared to what I was 12 months ago. So thank you for that. And so talking of influences, because Florence, yourself, Gemma, all of you have been a huge influence in my journey for the last 12 months. I wondered if you had a couple of key influences or influencers in your leadership journey you might like to share with us. Well, yes, I had, thank you. Um, they're both not, no, no one is international. Mm. That's okay, we won't hold it against them. <laughs> that first person is actually my father. Oh, yes. And the reason I say him is because I was the first daughter and he was so proud of everything that I did in his little way. Being yeah. The 1950s dad. Yeah. Then kind of a different different era to the yeah. dads we have these days. But yeah. anyway, he, he, he was proud of me and I knew that. But when he had a diagnosis of a... Duke carcinoma and chose not to have chemotherapy. Oh. It was inoperable. He, um, he, there was something special that happened between us because he used me as his. He couldn't. He didn't want to upset my mother, but he used me as the conversation piece uh. about his worries. Yeah. And um, a couple of years later, after the diagnosis, I was thinking, oh my god, I don't know. Look, I. Yeah. This palliative care, God, how can I manage that? That's mm. really not how I hoped my father's end life would end. And he, he had gone into hospital for a, um, a pulmonary assessment and he had a massive PE in the night. Oh, gosh. And nearly died. Um, and my mother called me and we all went to, to his bedside in Winchester. And he... I looked at him, I looked at my mother, and she looked totally helpless. And my brothers and sisters, like, no idea what to do. Yeah. Like, I did. Yeah. And I disappeared out of the bedside and went to the nurse in charge, and I said, look, please, would you let me lay him out? Yeah. And she never once said, don't be ridiculous, that's the nurse's du- du- mm. duty to mm. do that. She just said, here's a trolley, here's a bowl, Come and get me if you need a hand. Yeah. And she pulled the curtains around the bed. And I gave my mother, and I didn't realise it at the time, but I gave my mother 90 minutes of her last conversation with him. Yeah. And I reflected on that afterwards. And, in fact, she said every time I met her for the last 10 years, that was amazing. How did you know how to do that? Mm. Because if we hadn't done that, I would have walked away. I wouldn't have had those conversations with him. Mm. And therefore she helped me lay him out. And, and I realised then, it's being a nurse. Mm. We, we make so much difference to people's lives in just one tiny thing. Yeah. Now, there could have been a sliding door moment. I could have just walked away and we yeah. didn't do it. But it didn't. And, and there's this, I don't know where it comes from, but it, we... We have this special innate mm. intuition, one little tiny thing that was tiny for, to the, for the nurse to say, yeah, just go ahead. But huge for... But yeah. huge for the family. So he was my inspiration. He, and after that, and knowing what difference my, I made to my mother or my, my sister, actually, my, my brothers kind of ran away, Yeah, was um, that nurse was brilliant. Mm. Every nurse is brilliant. And every nurse deserves to be 
even better. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, just like you said, Becky, you didn't realise how brilliant you were. Yeah. Of course you, you're brilliant, but actually the, the foundation as part of your scholarship has allowed you to find a different you. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. I refer to myself as old Becky and new Becky. Oh, I did you I do. Um, when I'm trying to articulate the change in myself, when I describe situations in the way in which I've managed them or, or been present in those situations, you know, oh, Becky might have reacted this way, which wouldn't have been helpful for me or anybody else or whatever. And new Becky either lets it go mm-hmm. or um, it makes it sound like I hold uh, grudges. I don't, but it's kind of like... I I was an overthinker, I suppose, because I was in that space of not having much confidence, um, not really having that self-belief and all those other things, which came from personal experience as much as it did professional experience. And so, yeah, I, I'm honestly, I, and I, but I'm also, you know, the foundation has done amazing things, and I t- and I joke about you know fairy dust and all those sorts of things. But I said yesterday, I don't know any other opportunity for nurses where you say. Here's here's what, you know, this is you, you, as in, you know, the 360 assessment or whatever. These are some of the things. These are the predictions we make about how you might turn up. And here's some tools for you to do something with that, so RADA or whatever. And actually, on top of that, we're going to give you a little bit of money to develop yourself in the direction you really see yourself going. I mean, we're, like, I, that's the only way I can describe it. I'm not aware of any other leadership program where it's, about you like literally about you not uh, of course it's about the group of us mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if I'm articulating that very well it, it, it's it. just about me mm-hmm. so I've been able to become a Lego series play facilitator which I will use at every opportunity that I can and I know that when I first asked Lucy she's a bit like hang on a second this is a bit dodgy uh, but again gave me an opportunity and a platform to sell the idea I obviously did a good job because you know, I, so she made me think about, okay, well, how does that link to my leadership development? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's hugely trans, you know, it is transformational. I don't know what else to say. It's it's just a fantastic opportunity. And if you haven't applied, it was too late. It's closing days on the day this <laughs> this podcast oh. will go out, unfortunately. But next yeah, year. there's always next year. There's always next year, definitely. And if you're even just thinking about it, just do it. And I would so. say, if we've missed it, if you've missed it this year, um, think about your application for next year yes because whilst the application process is online it's not a complicated form what you write is really makes a difference yes and i think what definitely we've got the evidence now over the last few years that the number of applications is huge yeah and therefore you've got to write an application that is one is from the heart yeah that it's really about you and and your aspirations, your career aspirations, what you want to do personally, what difference it will make to the to our professions. Yeah. And that's not, you know, it sounds easy. We can talk about that all day long. But actually to write it down, to make it's it... It's hard. To, yeah. Yeah. Within the word limit and to make it stand out attractive so that those of us who do the judging and the selecting... Storytelling. Yeah. Goes back to storytelling. If you can, yeah... If you can articulate your story in a in a concise but powerful way, it's how you, it's how you tell them. <laughs> Who used to say that? It's, it's, not, it's how you say it. It's how you tell your story that has the impact. Um, many people f- face um, diversity in their lives, don't they? But it's how you articulate that story in a way that 
you talked about the why, mm. and I always think of Simon Sinek when, yeah, when people talk the why. And, uh, uh, you know, that's about drilling into the limbic system, isn't it? That place of emotion, that, that's the emotive thing. So, so, you know, your why was not to feel a sense of shame. It, like, that became a little bit of your why, didn't it? To drive, why well, I suppose it was your motivator to drive you to to never kind of give up and always flip something into a into something more um positive or more productive rather than just maybe sitting back and thinking well everything's everything you know the world's conspiring against me i'm just gonna let that continue to happen so i think you know that does take an element of tenacity and courage um but what what great role modeling not only for your daughters but i think with you sharing your story with the nursing world you know you you're probably not aware of how many people are resonating with that and when we put this podcast out i'm sure there'll be lots of people that will resonate with the stories you've shared the other influencer oh yes yes because i think do you know what i'm glad you moved on from your dad because i was getting a bit tearful because it was so it was really powerful and because i lost my best friend um to cancer she was only 31 and i also um laid her out uh, it was just so special. I agree. It was really special. So it's and it was just such a privileged thing to be able to do at the end of somebody's life. Um, hard, not easy, but you're absolutely right. There's something we were able to do it, aren't we? We're able to to kind of flick that switch. So who's your my second? Yeah. Well, I I don't need to think about this actually. I it's easy. It's Damien Moore's. Yes, of course. When I was a a budding. Oh, aspiring consultant nurse and um, she had written a, a white paper um, on it was called making a difference yeah and it was about developing it was the first time ever a clinical pathway for nurses and for nurses and uh in at the top of that was a consultant nurse and I thought yeah that's what I want to do I want to be that wow person. yeah and I, I started on the pathway but obviously I didn't have a first degree so I needed to do my master's but then I thought well I might as well do my PhD and anyway long story short it, it I moved roles so I didn't need to be a consultant nurse that was my first contact with her yeah my second contact with her was as the new chair of the foundation yeah and she is absolutely inspirational I, she, I agree she's <laughs> stepping down as chair in December doesn't want to go yeah she would still be there if she could and um ruth may said to me a year or so ago she was her reason she, that ruth became a cno yeah. she said she remembered her turning up in a hospital with her entourage of deputies and their handbags and their bags and ruth thought to herself i want to be a chief nursing officer of england yeah and um when ruth realized Yvonne wasn't at the conference yesterday, um, and she spoke of Yvonne. Yeah, she with did. Such yeah. admiration. Yeah. I, I, I phoned Yvonne this morning and I said, you know, everyone missed you yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Really sorry they couldn't see you. Um, and actually, Ruth had a tear in her eye. Oh. She spoke. Yeah. Everyone speaks. Hey. I work with her closely. I was never part of her, her gang. Yeah. And I suspect. She's quite a hard taskmaster. I'm not, yes, I'm not, yes. I'm not wrapping her up in cotton wool, but she has been incredible for the foundation. Yeah. She's been incredible for nursing. She still, um, at her age, runs, although she's got other people to do it now, a, a charity in Uganda. Yeah. Wow. 
That's so amazing. She sent out, she sent out a contingent of nurse of um, midwives and doctors to this hospital in Uganda. What a vision! What a visionary! Yeah. Very visionary, then, so isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now she, she, she just, she just knows where the profession should should be going. Yeah, and, um, that's quite special as well, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. To have that sense of vision, but to be able to galvanise people into... You can share a vision, can't you? But to get people behind it and to get people... And to move people into that... It's like a social movement. The foundation, I suppose, is a social movement in nursing, isn't it? About, you know, creating this momentum around leaders who believe in themselves and go out there and, and make that difference. And that can only be done as a result of being invested in. And ha I'll always, you know, I'll always say... You know, I struggle with a sense of belonging, but I definitely feel a sense of belonging in Team Florence, 100%. And I know that I'll always feel that sense of belonging in Team Florence because it's it's not ended, you know, and you don't get rid of me that easy. I'm still in the alumni, so, you know, you don't get rid Coming of me that. There's more to do. <laughs> There's more to do, exactly. And I'd be very happy to do whatever, whatever it takes, as they say. So listen, uh, well, I think you've, so my last kind of, thing I was going to talk to you about really was the application process and I, and you have already um, articulated what you need to do and I think that's quite beautiful but in terms of tell the story tell your truth you know who who are you and where do you want to go and if you don't know where you want to go say you don't know where you want to go that sort of thing but I wondered if you had any other advice you might want to give to people listening to this podcast who may be considering applying um, and are sitting on the fence yeah. what's going to push them <laughs> over the fence it's too, it's too late if you yeah. Uh, somebody said, you can't, if you say you can't, haven't got the time to do this, you haven't not got the time. No, that's back to front. I know I know what you're getting at, yeah. If you haven't not, you, oh, I don't know swears. No, I know what you're getting at, though. If you say, yes. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit, a little bit similar, like, oh, I need more time. You don't need more time, you need more focus. So what what is it that's important to you? It's like, oh, I haven't got the time to do this. Well, actually, you need to prioritise. If it's important enough, you'll make the time for it, isn't it? It's that sort of thing. So I know I know what you're kind of getting at. I And there's always a time in your career where it's going to be the right time. Yes. And for me, it was, I was at a crossroads. Yes. Am I going this way or am I going that way? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the scholarship really helped me decide. So um, it doesn't matter, I would say, just like you've just said, I don't know where I'm going. It's fine to say that mm. because the foundation scholarship will help you um, really. Well, you, you do all the hard work. It's we just yeah. give you the people. Slave drivers, you are. Slave yeah. drivers. Well, it's homework that. every Friday. Not at all. <laughs> I'm joking. There is no homework. No homework. <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you get the. It does. It's what I'm trying to say is, don't not do it if you think that this is going to propel your career um you are stuck yes potentially you want some help you want some coaching you want some mentoring um you want some leadership development yeah you want some investment in you yep it's uh, what that achieves what that ha what happens to you is a sort of transformational oh my god i never knew i had that in me absolutely so, yeah so so don't worry if you, you don't know what it's yeah. where you want to go but when you come to write the application, be clear. Yeah. Um, be clear that this is the right time in your career. Yeah. And be clear why it is. Yeah. And and have some really key points of um, where, how, and why you want to make a difference to patients, 
health outcomes, the people you look after, the service users that are in your in your um, yeah. care group or your your patients or your service. Yeah. I don't know what the right terminology is, but within your yeah, within your population, within your yeah, within your services, within your where yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I always get. Do you know what? I'm sometimes because there's there's lots of conversation. We, we won't get into this on this podcast. There's lots of conversations around what's the right terminology now, isn't there? To be inclusive about the population that we look after. So I always do tend to land where I think is is a safe space by calling it the population. So the population that we serve, because I feel that kind of covers off um most mostly everybody and, and hopefully doesn't make anybody feel left or any and uh, sort of group feel left out so yeah population i would probably just go with patient sometimes people don't like to be called well, patient. And, and because we have midwives too it's the women it, it's diff- it's difficult isn't it exactly so so population i think exactly it's, it's like children isn't it they've got parents and there is just as much a part of that so it is tricky to cover off everybody but i think we all know what you mean so I We'll, we'll let you off on that one. We will let we'll, we won't hold your feet to the fire on that one, Rita. You'll be all right. <laughs> Listen, I know you're a, I know you're a super busy lady. I'm hugely, hugely, hugely grateful for you taking the time to record with me today. I've really enjoyed it. I could sit and listen to you um, and your stories. They, thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. It's been quite powerful for me, and I'm sure it will be powerful for the, for the people who listen to the podcast as well. But as everybody knows on this podcast, we, we haven't changed that much. So we still stick into the to the final couple of uh, questions before we sign off and, and send our guests on their way. So the first thing, um, and I think you may have alluded to this a little bit in our conversation so far, is but have you got a mantra, a philosophy, or just something that you might do um, or to on a daily basis to um, help you be the best leader that you can be? Um, I've mentioned a couple of things already. I, I do think that it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yes. And we, as nurses, midwives, we do uncomfortable things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get to senior positions in our careers, people look at us to say, how do we do this? Mm. It's okay to say you don't know. Yes. It's okay to say I don't know, but let's work out how we do it. Mm. And I think um, one of the things that I always think that pops around in my head the whole time, and I said this the other day to the team, is have faith. Yeah. Have faith that you can achieve stuff. Yeah. Um, believe that you can, and it's okay if you if it goes wrong, just dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and go in again. So faith in the faith that you can do it. But I have some faith. I have this thing. Yeah. In me, which I call yeah is i believe that i can do anything she's got a strong sense of self-belief yeah yeah and that's it, powerful and it works yeah it, it does work and and i think people think sometimes i'm a little bit crackpot <laughs> she thinks we're going to have a strategy for five million nurses for a million nurses five million oh we've gone up five. careful careful oh. <laughs> cut that bit out yeah we cut that bit out it was a million it was only a million, a million, million. <laughs> and i think people Seriously, that's going to be achievable. Yeah. I do, you know, it's fine. Let's go for it. Yeah. No one's going to shoot me if we don't get to a million. No, exactly. I think one of the key things you're saying there, which I think is really important, is we need to de-stigmatise failure. Yeah. So failure is one of the most lethal words that we use, I think, in healthcare sometimes. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Context is king here Mm -hmm. because failure in a clinical setting, you know, 
that cannot be good, can't it? But in the set in the context that we're talking about in self development and leadership, it's okay to fail. It's not the end of the world. You learn the the important thing is that you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, you learn from it. If you don't learn from it, though, what was the point? And I if suppose. you don't, if it's it's own failure if you don't go again. Yes. And if you don't go again, it's defeat. Yes. Yes. So you are defeated if you don't get the best marathon time. And yes. You think, oh, God, I'm not doing that again. Yes. Just try again. Yeah, yeah. Try, try and try again, yeah. as they say. Fantastic. And then the very last question, oh, for a bit of fun, okay. I know one more, is um, three people, dead or alive, real or fictional, that you're going to invite to a dinner party. Who would you like to have at your dinner table? Is, you, is, is that yeah. tricky for you to answer? See, I was expecting you to say certain someone. What? No, pre- yeah, no pressure. <laughs> well, I think she she clearly was a formidable person. Yes. And I'm sure we could all learn a few things from her. Of course. We still are learning from we her. We are, we mm. are. But if she was sitting next to me at dinner party, I think her presence would be quite remarkable. Yes. I wished I'd met the Queen. Oh, Yes. It's very sad. I I really wish I'd met the Queen. I feel like I think over the last few weeks since she died and and the the funeral and all the footage we saw of the young princess and then the the young Queen. Now there's a leader. Just brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So some people who went to Buckingham Palace were lucky when she awarded their their name or their knighthood or their CDs or what have you. So they did meet her. I'm sad I didn't meet her. But, I'm sure, yeah. But she, well, so yeah, next to me at the dinner table. So we've got Florence and the Queen. I ought to have a. Actually, I don't really need to think about this, but um, somebody like Obama. He's been a popular choice, actually. Yeah. I think because he shows up in so many different ways, mm. and he's a real states person. He is. He he's is a real states person. He. He captivates his audience. He's a good storyteller. He's a fantastic storyteller. Yeah, I agree. He knows he knows how to engage the audience. For sure. And we listen to him. Yeah. Have you have you seen have you seen the video of him doing his fired up ready to go speech? I love that one. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So so there we are. How's that? Florence Amazing. I love that. Oh, I, you had to put Florence. Somebody had to put Florence in there. Do you know how we? I don't think we've had Florence actually at all so far and so we've done 30 episodes yeah th- no yeah something like that in series one um and nobody says florence so that's the first oh, it feels that yeah you got to greta it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you i know you're a le- really busy lady um i won't keep you any longer than i have to and i just want to say a big thank you for sitting down with me today and having this conversation um and leaning in and being honest um and open with your journey it's been really powerful for me and as i say i'm sure it will be for our listeners as well so all that remains is for me to say thank you to you and thank you to the listeners and it's a goodbye from greta oh thank you listen you let me say the last word go on then go on then i want to say thank you to you (laughs) we would not be doing this with you all of those 29 people before me would not be doing this would not have done this with you unless it was you putting yourself forward for a scholarship and going, actually, this I want to learn about other people's leadership journeys. This is other people want to learn about them too. 
So um, it's been it's been my pleasure. It seriously, has you've made me sit down, reflect, think about stuff, and actually sit still for. I don't know how long we've been here. Oh, too long now. <laughs> anyway. Don't build me, Greta. Don't build me. <laughs> no. But there we are. I've sat still and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. The pleasure's been mine. So until next time, it's goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Leadership Blog, where we're navigating everyday leadership. This is a non-affiliated podcast and any views, thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests belong solely to them and not necessary to their employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual.